The Daily Rios, episode 444, Timeline Tuesday for December. Hey everyone, this is your host, Peter. It's another Timeline Tuesday comics history podcast for the month of December, even though it is January 1st, 2019. So since looking back at comics history is always one of my favorite topics, I didn't want to skip this month or skip the month of December just because we were, you know, not only in another month, but in another year altogether. So this is a look back at comic book anniversaries for the month of December, which means comics that shipped in December, not that they had a cover date of December. And we're going to look back 10 years ago, 25 years ago, 50 years ago, and even 75 years ago. We're going to hear about some first appearances, some final appearances, character trivia, a a few creator tidbits, and a little more. So let's jump in. We start 10 years ago, December 2008. Dark Reign is taking over Marvel Comics, spinning out of the events of Secret Invasion, especially with a few one-shots. We have Secret Invasion Dark Reign featuring Norman Osborn and his Cabal, Namor, White Queen, Doctor Doom, Loki in his female form, and The Hood. So this is the one-shot where we get to uh, get a look at some of their initial plans for the Marvel Universe. We have Secret Invasion Requiem, which was mostly a collection of reprints honoring the death of Janet Van Dyne, including a new story where Hank Pym becomes the new Wasp, which honestly I can't remember if I knew that or not. And then Dark Reign New Nation, another one-shot, this time featuring the Secret Warriors, which will lead into their series shortly thereafter, and that was by Brian Michael Bendis and Jonathan Hickman and uh, Stefano Caselli, and this one-shot also had stories with Agents of Atlas, War Machine, Scroll Kill Crew, and the new Avengers. Also at Marvel 10 years ago this month, Marvel's Eye of the Camera, numbers 1 and 2 by Kurt Busiek and Jay Anacleto. This is the six-issue sequel to the original Marvels by Busiek and Ross, which celebrated 25 years back in our last Timeline Tuesday episode on November. By the way, in this month's December previews, there is something called Marvel's Annotated, which is a remastered re-release of the original miniseries along with uh, extra behind-the-scenes stuff. And then over at Marvel Icon, we have Incognito number 1 of 6 by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Over at DC, 10 years ago in December, Flash 247 is the final issue of the Wally West run that started all the way back in 1987. Now, it was initially interrupted at in, at issue 230 for the short-lived run in 2006 that featured Bart Allen as the Flash And then Wally would return in 2007 with issue 231 by Mark Wade and Daniel Acuna and his kids, bleh. We talked about them in Heroes in Crisis. Uh, This run wouldn't last long either, the one by Wade and Acuna, 
Uh, obviously, it would only go up to 247. And the reason the series ends in general is just to make way for Barry Allen's return in Flash Rebirth. We were teased with his return in Final Crisis, and this time he'll get brought back for good, the same way Hal Jordan did in his Rebirth miniseries. And then Barry Allen will get a short series spinning out of Brightest Day, I think. And then he'll mess up the DC Universe completely with Flashpoint. Good times. And then I have one other thing here. Ten years ago in December, Larry Martyr's Bean World Holiday Special, which apparently was the first new Bean World story in print in over a decade. Now I need to make an addendum for uh, a few months back. For ten years ago, uh, when we did a timeline in August, I totally missed that uh, Crossed began at Avatar Press by Garth Ennis and Jason Burroughs. By December 2008, it was up to issue two of the original ten issues, which started with a zero issue. So if you're a fan of Crossed or you're someone who read Crossed, uh, it celebrated celebrated its ten-year anniversary back in August. Okay, let's jump 25 years ago to December 1993. This has to be a big one. We have John Byrne's Next Men 21 from Dark Horse. Apparently, it's the first color appearance in a regular title for the character of Hellboy. He was previously seen in Dime Press number 4 as a prototype on the cover and then in something called San Diego Comic-Con Comics number 2, which was the character's first full appearance. And then he showed up in this issue of Next Men, where all of the Hellboy pages are drawn by his creator, Mike Mignola. And then we'll see him soon in early 1994 with the miniseries Hellboy Seed of Destruction. So get to your reading. If you're a Hellboy fan, he is celebrating 25 years as of December. By the way, I asked this on Twitter and got uh, a flurry of of some reactions, most of them uh, less than favorable, when I asked, uh, what did everyone think of the new Hellboy movie trailer? Does it hit a familiar tone from the comics? Does it feel, quote-unquote, right? Now, I have no horse in this race. Um, I haven't read Hellboy. I think that's... uh, something I've mentioned before. Uh, haven't read any Hellboy. I only saw the first movie, started to watch the second movie, and then I fell asleep. Not because of the movie, I think. So I am, you know, not an expert on Hellboy at all. But I wanted to know people's reaction to the movie, uh, to the new movie trailer, because I saw it. And as someone said, it, uh, it felt like it was still within the Ron Perlman um, mode of... Hellboy movies, but like I said, I I don't know anything about it, so uh, I was just curious. Okay, over at DC Comics 25 years ago, the death of Superman is over, his rebirth is over, the reign of uh, Superman happened, and now we get the reign of Tomorrow, where we have three series, three new series, featuring Steel, Superboy, and Supergirl. Now, of the three, only Steel and Superboy get ongoing series. Uh, Apparently, if you're a protoplasmic being, you only get a four-issue miniseries. 
So we start with Steel Number 1, featuring the character of John Henry Irons. It would last for 52 issues, and at least in the beginning, we had uh, Louise Wheezy Simonson as writer, and you had John Bogdanov as artist, and Chris Batista, and Rich Faber rounding out the creative team. Did not read that read that series. I might have read a few issues here and there whenever it crossed into a larger Superman story arc. But, uh, yeah, I never read that series. Superboy number one, 25 years ago in December. The clone Superman gets his own series, which would last for 100 issues. And at the beginning, we had Carl Kessel as writer, Tom Grummet uh, as penciler, and Doug Hazelwood as inker. And that creative team would more or less stick around for a number, if not like 50 issues or so, with, you know, some fill-ins here and there. And the original stories take place in Hawaii. That's another series that I would jump around on here and there. Uh, and then, as I said, Supergirl, number one of four, Roger Stern, June Brigman, uh, Butch Geis. I want to say she was working with Lex Luthor at this point, but again, another miniseries I didn't read. I was all into the whole Death of Superman and Reign of the Superman story arc, and I read a lot of the Superman stuff out of it, but I didn't read any of these spinoffs, which is kind of interesting. Over in Vertigo, the first part of the Kindly One story arc begins in Sandman 57, Neil Gaiman, Mark Hempel. If you've read the series, you know why that arc is important. I don't really want to mention it here in case you want to read it for yourself. But the Kindly One story arc, that is where I picked up reading Sandman for the first time. I think I might have mentioned there are a few comics that when I went to the comic store, uh, I could have picked up from number one, but I picked them up and I sort of, you know, flipped through them and put them back. Sandman number one was one of them. I think Preacher number one was another one. And... Uh, it took me all the way to, you know, this story arc to actually pick up the issues because I heard what was going to happen. So, uh, Sandman 57, 25 years ago in December. And then we have Green Lantern 49, which was part two of Emerald Twilight. It had the cover by Daryl Banks and Romeo Tangle with Hal Jordan and all of those rings on his fingers looking all kind of maniacal. It's Hal versus the Core as he slaughters his way to Oa, and this is where we get the reveal that the Guardians have brought back Sinestro, and he's wearing a green ring. Now, curiously enough, if you weren't reading trade magazines or news bits at the time, this issue ends with a letter column that has an image for the cover to issue 50, and it features Hal in his parallax look. Now, it doesn't say parallax, but it does show off his new costume. I guess you could say maybe it was a tease, but I also thought, wow, that's kind of a big reveal, too. Um, if you were reading it just from the issues and you didn't know what else was going on. So I thought that was kind of cool. We also got Batman Adventures, the Mad Love one-shot. This is the comic book origin of the animated Harley Quinn who has already had her comics appearance by this time. It was by Paul Dini and Bruce Tim. It won an Eisner Award for, for Best Single Story in 1994. For Image, we have Freak Force, number one of 18. Super Patriot, Barbaric, uh, Ricochet, Dart, 
Rapture, Mighty Man, etc. All creations of Eric Larson spinning out of Savage Dragon. And I'm mostly pointing this one out because it was co-written by Keith Giffen. And no one told me. (laughs) I would love to know if this series is more Giffen than Larson. Does it have some of that Giffen flavor that I love? So if anybody read Freak Force from 25 years ago, please let me know. Also from Image, Jack Kirby's Phantom Force, only two issues. According to the Jack Kirby collector, this was the last comic book Kirby worked on before his death. The story was co-written by Kirby with Michael Thibodeau and Richard French based on an eight-page pitch for an unused Bruce Lee comic in 1978. Okay, Issues one and two were published by Image with various image artists inking over Kirby's pencils. And then issue zero and issues three through eight would move to Genesis West Publishing, with Kirby providing pencils for only issues zero and four. And that creator, Michael Thibodeau, would provide the art for the remaining issues of the series after Kirby had died. At Marvel, we have Daredevil 325, which is the Fall from Grace finale. We have a couple final issues. Sensational She-Hulk number 60 is her last issue of that run. Wonder Man 29 is the last issue of that run. We also had Sin City, a Dame to Kill for number one at Dark Horse. And then I'm going to end 25 years ago with another addendum this time for the month of October, because I totally missed that Conan the Barbarian had reached its end with issue 275. Roy Thomas was the writer all the way through to issue 115. He would return with issue 240, and he would finish it out, which is a pretty amazing run. As far as artists, we had Barry Windsor Smith for the for the first 24 issues, John Buscema ran from issue 25 through issue 190. Val Semix was 191 through 220. And then we had people like Frank Springer, Ron Lim, Gary Hartle, Michael Dougherty. They would all write us out to the last issue. So it's kind of interesting that uh, even though the Conan saga ended uh, more or less in October of 1993, that we are getting... Uh, more Conan coming out uh, as early as this week, right, with um, with his return back to Marvel. So that's kind of cool. And then also back in November 25 years ago, again, I don't know how I missed this, we got the first Simpsons comics, a monthly series based on the animated TV show. The first issue was published in November of 1993, and it was originally pub- published every two months, but then would eventually go monthly in 2000 and would spawn off into other titles. Okay, onward to 50 years ago for the month of December, 1968. We have Detective Comics 384, The Adam and Hawkman 41, and Green Lantern 67. Now, what do they all have in common? They are more or less the final original work for DC Comics of writer Gardner Fox. And he had a career that would span all the way back to 1937 and Detective Comics number four. That's amazing. 
if Siegel and Schuster are kind of like the granddaddies of DC Comics and Bob Kane, uh, quote-unquote, is kind of like the next forefather, you have to imagine that Gardner Fox is definitely part of some grand DC Comics trinity for all of the creations that he brought to the DC Universe, including Hawkman, Golden Age Flash, Golden Age Sandman, the Justice Society, Justice League, Zatanna, Red Tornado, Snapper Carr, a ton of villains, Dr. Fate, Ray Palmer Adams, Starman, even the Waynes, apparently. He uh, co-wrote or was part of the story that introduced uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne, or at least maybe in a story that gave them their name. I don't know. that When I saw that factoid, I was like, what? Really? Okay. So, yeah, uh, chances are if you're reading a Golden Age DC comic story or a Silver Age DC comic title, I should say, uh, eventually you're going to come across the work of Gardner Fox. So 25 years, excuse me, 50 years ago in 1968 was his last work for DC. Also 50 years ago, DC Comics Witching Hour number one. It would run for 85 issues. And this was the one that uh, was hosted by the sisters, the three witch sisters, Cynthia, Mildred, and Mordred, who incidentally are part of the Kindly One story that I talked about uh, for 25 years ago. So Neil Gaiman, it was I think it's no secret that he mined a lot of DC's horror comics for characters that would show up in Sandman and The Dreaming. And these hosts, these three hosts, are part of that. This series would have artists like Neil Adams, Alex Toth, Jack Sparling, uh, under a Nick Cardi cover for issue number one. And the hosts would also go on to show up in Unexpected and in other comics here and there before they, as I said, before they were wrapped up into the Neil Gaiman Sandman universe. Okay, over at Marvel 50 years ago, we have Amazing Spider-Man number 70, Possibly the first appearance of Vanessa Fisk, but I think in Shadows, it'll be another 12 to 13 issues before we get um, confirmation that it was her and before we see her actual first appearance. Avengers 61, written by Roy Thomas, pencils uh, John Buscema. This is the first appearance of the Quinjet as designed by the Black Panther. And then Fantastic Four 84, Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, First appearance of Dr. Doom's Servo Guards, <laughs> which I thought was a fun fact. Okay, let's wrap it all up with 75 years ago, December of 1943. This one is purely an oddity. Uh, all Winners Comics number 11 from Atlas, from Atlas Marvel. Apparently, in a Captain America story with art by uh, Nicholas Alassia, we have the first appearance of a newspaper that says Daily Bugle. So I don't know if the creators, if Stan Lee and, and you know Steve Ditko, while they were doing Spider-Man, kind of looked back on their comics and say, Daily Bugle, that's a nice uh, newspaper name. Is it a coincidence? Is it a, was it a newspaper back then? Maybe it was some kind of like well-known newspaper title and they're just riffing on that. But I thought that was kind of cool that uh, 75 years ago, in a legit Marvel comic, a Captain America story, you saw the newspaper of Daily Planet. So, that's cool. 
Speaking of Marvel, Wiz Comics number 50 from Fawcett is the first appearance of Thor and Loki. Now, this is from an Ibis the Invincible story. Years before Marvel uh, showed up with their own Thor and Loki, almost 20 years before they did, I believe part of uh, Ibis's powers is that he can bring forth various gods or legends. I think, I mean, that was also a Kid Eternity thing, so I might be mixing up my Fawcett characters. Um, oh, wait, he was, a, he was a quality comics character and then eventually got roped into the Shazam universe. Anyway, um, yeah, again, another interesting little oddity. Uh, that doesn't mean anything, but I just thought it was kind of fun to point that out. We have Plastic Man number one, 75 years ago, from Quality Comics. This would run for 64 issues all the way up through 1956, although it was a reprint title by that time. The first two issues acted as annuals of sorts before the title would go on a regular basis. He stretches, he shrinks, and bends. Uh, that was the uh, phrase on the cover. Now, Plastic Man first appeared in 1941, but this run, when it finished, um, DC would acquire the, the character after this run wrapped up. And it was also running concurrent with Police Comics, where Plastic Man was a feature, all the way through to uh, Police Comics 102 in 1950. So he had two books. There were two books where you could read Plastic Man. That's crazy. Star Spangled Comics number 29, we have the first appearance of Robbie the Robot Dog, who is the sidekick of Robot Man. Yeah, 75 years ago, we got a lot of quirky things. But here's the biggie. For 75 years ago, December 1943, one of my favorite villains makes his first appearance, Green Lantern Quarterly number 10, first appearance of Vandal Savage, the man who wanted the world. Created by Alfred Bester and Martin Nodell. He was um, a character that is from, you know, prehistoric times. Uh, the way they describe it here is in 1 million BC, he was already 40 years old. He was a chieftain of a tribe of Cro-Magnon men. He saw a fireball from the skies. It exploded and he was engulfed in fiery gas. So, uh, and this is all from the issue. For ten moons he was out until he recovered months later where he discovered a hundred summers later that he was granted eternal life from that comic. And then he would show up throughout history as the pharaoh who built the pyramids, as Julius Caesar, as Genghis Khan, and then he decided to go deeper into history and just act as an advisor to great or horrible leaders and dictators. And he would say to Green Lantern in this issue, and that, my friends, is why your country must lose this war, uh, World War II, for in a dictatorship, I shall be able to play with power as I never could in a democracy. And it made me think, yeah, I think we're living in a Vandal Savage age right now. And there you go. That's our Timeline Tuesday for the month of December. Hope you had fun with that. Hope you had a happy new year. And uh, by all means, please send me some email at peteratthedailyreels.com or visit the website or subscribe to the show through iTunes. 
I have a lot of plans for 2019, and hopefully they all pan out. <laughs> all right, this has been the Daily Rios episode 444. Talk to you soon. Bye.